A huge campaign supporting better mental health in agriculture launches tomorrow. What's it all about? Why do we need such a campaign? So it's really important to understand if you're not in the right headspace when you get behind the wheel of a farm vehicle, it's you not the vehicle that's dangerous. So it's we're just wanting people to mind their head. And we'll hear more from my visit to an old industrial unit in Scunthorpe that's been converted to grow millions of basil plants a year, all year round. The months where it isn't grown, we would be able to compete like for like, so that the, the price wouldn't be passed on to the customer, but you still get a year-round British product. Plus market reports, agronomy and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Good morning, hope you've had a good week. We'll start this week with the pig sector. We've talked plenty about the many problems facing the sector and these led to a crisis summit being held on Thursday between the National Pig Association and DEFRA. I spoke to Dr Zoe Davis, Chief Exec of the NPA, on Friday and asked her what progress was made. Victoria Prentice is absolutely determined to resolve this issue and she made it very clear that this was about the now There are issues that we need to look at in the future. And of course, they've announced that they're going to do a review of the pig supply chain and fairness in in that chain. But that's for for later. Mm. So the meeting was largely focusing on what we can actually do now. But the other positive thing from us is that she's committed to effectively get processors to detail the backlog they've currently got and their plans to get rid of it and prioritise farms within their supply chains that are the most desperate. So for us, having that in writing will be really useful because it allows the farmers themselves to plan. The problem we've got at the minute is a lot of them just find out on a Friday night what's going next week and that's just not good. This all sounds, again, rather jam tomorrow. Not an awful lot of solution for the problems in the pig sector now. Is there anything that we can hang our hats on to say, ah, that's good for now? Well, we're hoping to get some uh, information later today about we've asked for flexibility on the sort incentive payment scheme. And if, if we get that flexibility, what we've asked for is that they enable some of the carcass to be harvested, so the, the expensive loins, etc., to be harvested to go into domestic market. In the minute, if you, you take something through sort incentive, it has to go into storage or for export. If we can get more value out of the carcass, that will encourage processors to do more of these Saturday kills and also mean that the carcass value is higher so what gets paid back to the farmer is a lot better and that would help instantaneously if we could get that flexibility but apart from that you know labor is still the biggest issue across the board um, and we really have to fix that if we're going to have any hope of sorting out the supply chain. Okay, Zoe, well, fingers crossed, and let's hope we're making a little bit of progress. Yeah, well, we keep, we'll keep bashing away at it because it's not over, we're not done yet. I'm sure. Zoe Davis, CEO of the National Pig Association, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's kind of a popular misconception that farmers don't have mental health issues. Not so. The 2020 Mind Your Head campaign to promote better mental health in agriculture launches tomorrow. Stephanie Barclay is the manager of the Farm Safety Foundation, Yellow Wellies, who run the campaign. Stephanie, we've spoken about this before on the programme, but for those not in the know, would you tell us a little bit about the campaign? The Mind Your Head campaign um, aims just to raise awareness of the challenges facing the UK's farming industry and the numbers of farmers and farm workers out there who are actually struggling with their poor mental health right now. So it, it brings together over about 400 partners and individuals from key organisations in the industry and right across the UK to encourage 
the industry to look out for each other and look after each other, not just this week, but actually every week. And what does the campaign aim to do? Is it aiming to bring people together to tell them where to get advice or what's it all about? So what we're trying to do is encourage people to check in with themselves and others and really reach out to anybody that might be feeling down, lonely or struggling. The Mind Your Head campaign is a week-long thing. It's an all-year-round situation, all-year-round problem. What changes would you like to see as a result of the campaign? I'd really like to see farmers looking after themselves as well as they do look after their livestock and their land. You know, it's an industry that has many stressors, as we know. It has also the poorest safety record. You know, we lost 34 farm workers last year due to fatal incidents. A majority of them were as a result of farm vehicles. So it's really important to understand if you're not in the right headspace when you get behind the wheel of a farm vehicle, it's you, not the vehicle that's dangerous. So it's we're just wanting people to mind their head. I mean, campaigns like this, as you said, are more than one week in the year, but they can make someone feel supported. And I, I don't want to sound earnest about this, but if we can slowly chip away at the stigma in the industry, and believe me, it does still exist, then it's a step in the right direction. Lisa McLaughlin and Becca Wilson are boots and heels. What will you be doing to support the campaign and promote mental health in agriculture? We are going to be taking over the Ellie Instagram story for the day so we'll be posting videos not only to talk about the importance of mental well-being but to show a bit of a day on the farm so I'll be getting involved out of my heels for once and (laughs) Becca will be showing me around we'll be talking about um, different day-to-day activities but also again coming back to that really important topic of mental well-being and trying to show people who might be alone on the farm isolated might be stressed in the office that you're not alone and that we all go through something. Why are you doing this for the Mind Your Head campaign? Is there something personal to you that's triggered this? From a personal level, I've dealt with my own issues in the past. You know, I've I've had challenges with anxiety and I think it's really important to kind of break that stigma and that's something that the Farm Safety Foundation's Mind Your Head campaign is doing really, really well. This year's campaign launches on Valentine's Day. For a lot of people, that's celebrating love, togetherness. But one thing that I think people really need to take away, it's important to love yourself. As much as sharing that with other people, you've got to love yourself, especially when you're feeling down or lonely or struggling. You know, you are important. Absolutely. And anything that highlights the issues but does it in a positive way has to be a good thing. Definitely. And I think hopefully our Instagram takeover kind of showcases a kind of bubbliness, a chattiness, a real fun day in the life, but not forgetting what can actually be behind some of the happiest people that you see. And as Lizzie said, with her own personal struggles and and people I would know in farming, it's a really, really key thing to take from the campaign that just asking if someone's okay has that quite got to the bottom of it? ask them again and and really make sure that that you've covered all bases and and they really are. Lizzie and Becca from the podcast Boots and Heels, thank you and good luck with the Instagram takeover on Tuesday. Tara Lee, you organised the Louth Christmas tractor run. You, the public and the 100 tractor drivers that took part raised a brilliant just over £5,000. Why did you choose Mind Your Head as the charity to get the money you raised? being a farmer myself it's you know it's a thing that hits home quite a lot and the more people you see and speak to it's actually becoming a very big issue within the farming industry 
I mean, it, whether it's mental health or you're just struggling, uh, I mean, if you're working 18 hours a day, you come home, you don't see your missus, you don't see your kids, you go back to work again, and, and that repeat cycle, it does take strain on the mind itself. And if you felt stressed, felt bad, were struggling, what would you do? Well, speak to someone. That's the best thing. You know, call for help, speak to someone if you're struggling. Uh, you know, speak to your management. They all understand they're in the same boat. They're under pressure as much as operators are under pressure. You've always got the weather fighting against you and, you know, you've got to get on and you've got to get seed in the ground, etc. So, yeah, it's, you know, speak to someone. That is the main thing. Thanks for that, Taryn. Stephanie, finally, where can we go for more information on Mind Your Head? You can follow at Yellowwellies UK on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can like and share our content. You can post your own experiences. Use the hashtag Mind Your Head. And throughout the week, we'll have lots of posts, blogs, videos, articles and advice on www.yellowwellies.org. Stephanie Barclay from Yellow Wellies and Lizzie Becker and Taryn, thank you and good luck with Mind Your Head this year. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for your support. Please do get involved and support the Mind Your Head campaign. It's so important for all in agriculture. And do shout if you need help. There really is no stigma. The Chaplaincy Farm Community Network, locally Lincolnshire Rural Support Network and others will be happy to help. To Agronomy Now, Sean Sparling's with us once again. Morning, Sean. Spring drilling's underway. Does that mean spring has really sprung, or is it one of those pretend springs that's sent to trickers? Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. I know, I know you're joking, but you really don't know how close to the truth that really is. It's not surprising, really, because you get a settled dry spell in February, particularly coming off the back of that wettest February we'd ever had last year, and it really is inevitable that opportunities are going to be taken as they arise and as the weather appears to be good and the soil conditions improve, but eggs and baskets do spring to mind. I have to say that on this easier, more fertile, friable land, I really couldn't wish for better seed beds, and it it really is a joy to see these spring barley crops going into some of the best looking February seed beds, early February seed beds that we've seen for a year or two. But there's always a caveat, isn't there? And there's always a justification one way or the other too. Because those people who've already drilled are going to be pleased that they did when it does rain or when winter finally gets here. Because remember the shape of the seasons. It's not as simple as winter, spring, summer, autumn anymore. You know, it goes winter, then full spring, which is where we are now. Then you get the second winter. Then you get the spring of deception, then you get the third winter, then the mud season, then the actual spring, then you get summer, then you get the pretend autumn, which is followed by the second summer, which usually lasts about five days, and then you get the actual autumn, which is followed by winter again. So those who have the heavier land, which is less conducive to drilling just yet, will, when it rains and the winter does finally get here, just say, you know, we told you we were right to hold off. So there is no right or wrong. Whatever decision you take on the day is always going to be the best one or the next best. So there's no point worrying about it. It's still early February, though, in reality. So I look at it in terms of it being a bonus if it's in, as a blessing if it's in, well, and as only early February and plenty of time if it isn't in. So spring barley then going in where it can. Pre-em's vital on the black grassier fields, but it is, of course, 40 mil deep and well covered. 
as far as the seed goes regarding preems. Also remember, it does need a reasonably decent seed bed. A much finer, firmer, even seed bed is optimal for triolate, um, which is, just think of it, that that is something which needs to be a seed bed capable of containing a gas. So big clods, open rough seed beds are not ideal for holding a gas, therefore they're not ideal for triolate. But also remember to get rid of any volunteers in plenty of time before you do start to go drilling. Control that green bridge to stop those aphids which are in there stepping off the trash straight onto emerging seedling. Spring beans been talked about being drilled. Conditions may be okay in some fields but as I said earlier on if it's wet underneath and a bit sloppy and not optimal then spring beans won't enjoy going into those conditions also you may want to just ensure that you have your pre-em herbicides to hand if you're going to put your beans in you don't want to miss that pre-emergent timing because our options are down to just bentazone really post-emergent so do speak to your advisor about that pre-ems on peas and beans are essential they're not optional winter cereals and all seed rate with the mild weather such as it is that rust remains out there there in uh, winter wheat crops some quite frothy growth in some areas particularly in the east and the south of the county but don't panic hold your fire a t minus one will benefit no one but the person selling you the t minus one brew i suggest that maybe a bit of manganese on the lighter stuff is about all that's required at present and even that may take some justifying on five degrees soils and struggling mid-february crops having said all of that of course if manganese deficiency is showing it does prove that that crop is growing. So treat fields on their own individual merits. Oilseed rape, the AstroCurb doing a fantastic job out there on mayweeds, cranesbills, south thistles and big poppies as well. That aminopyrrolid working really well. You can't put, by the way, clopyrrolid, picloram, corvetto type products on before the 1st of March anyway. So mapping the weed areas is absolutely vital in this what is the calm before the storm. Disease levels in oilseed rape need monitoring but seem relatively stable at the moment and in these conditions is there any point putting a fungicide on yet for protection i'm not sure there is if you are drilling spring crops aim for any time from now onwards that conditions allow for spring beans as i said be prepared to spray that pre-em though and ensure you know the germination and the thousand seed weight remember you're aiming on spring beans between 38 and 45 established plants per square meter spring barley drill it any time from now up to april as conditions allow as we've said 250 to 300 target plants per square meter and again know your thousand seed weight vital thousand seed weight of 55 grams needs around 220 kilos per hectare seed a thousand seed weight of 45 and 40 kilos less at about 180 kilos per hectare of seed so do get that right you don't want to end up with too many nor do you want to end up with too few spring wheat anytime really from now to late march again 250 to 300 established plants per square meter and it really is way too soon to start thinking about drilling spring oats they need much warmer soils than we have at the moment so in the words of bob mortimer and away let's see what the next seven days bring Thanks as ever, Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. Continuing the story of the Scunthorpe Vertical Farm Company, Jones Foods, I'm with founder and CEO, James Lloyd-Jones. James, let's look at the business side of things. You're growing in a very different way to the norm. Does that mean a cheaper or more expensive or no different cost to the customer? That it has to become uh, cost competitive and um, be able to displace imports. So, you know, UK produce would still be very much in vogue in, in retailers but the, over 
the months where it isn't grown we would be able to compete like for like so that the the price wouldn't be passed on to the customer but you still get a year-round British product. Bottom line is it profitable for you? It can be profitable yeah absolutely fine it's of course more expensive to run because you're running all the time and you've got your um, capex to put in but also to operate them you know, if if you've got a tomato farm with 35 operatives, and I can do the same tomato growing in with six operatives, I'm probably even more profitable than the traditional way of, uh, of growing tomatoes, for instance. And talking about operatives, one of the big headaches over recent months, and with COVID and Brexit, has been operatives, getting people to pick vegetables, to pick salad crops, etc. in fields. Has that been an issue for you? No, not at all. Because we don't have any seasons, I don't have to rely on migrant labour. So everyone I employ has got a contract. So they work for the, for the for the company. So with a good ethos, we don't have any uh, people that have to come in and out. Talk to me a little bit about your values. I think you ha- always have to have a good moral compass. You know, and that's not a company value. That's something that we just expect. You know, because if you've got good moral compass, the values will be built around it. But I think it's in ensuring that we get fantastic produce out daily, and that's not good as it's in good produce. That's we expect that, but it's just good for the environment, good for people to be able to buy it, so you can eat healthier without it costing more. So, what does the future hold for Jones Food Company? It's far beyond leafy greens and herbs. We sort of got that. That's already in stores. So you know, three thousand stores a week retail and three million sandwiches a week. So you know, that's that's not something that we need to keep going. We will keep pushing the um, price down. That's where we want to be in, and getting so it's even more the norm. Uh, we're looking at three more sites in the UK. So we'll have uh, five commercial farms. Our R and D site still is quite large. You know, we can still kick out quite a few ton a week. From from that but that does all sorts of interesting stuff from uh, vines for wine to hops to cut flowers that's where the business will evolve and that and that's not just in the uk that's multinationally because the technology can be transferable anywhere in the world is there anything you can't grow i believe we can grow everything but if you want to pay the prices for stuff we can grow that would probably be the where we can't grow but it doesn't mean it's not a pipe dream that can't be um, answered in the future because it's all a case of uh, keep pushing keep pushing the boundaries and they and I don't know we'll be doing wheat barley oilseed rape maybe in the future but almost like a dwarf crop but still with the uh, the head on top which is the size a, a traditional farmer harvests genetically modified or gene editing i think anything like that's very dirty uh, words in the uk no i think we can probably do a lot before we have to get to that point and i think at that point then it will have to have a serious conversation with with all parties including the public and go look this is safe because of x y or z or this is way you're going to have to pay because you don't want x y or z and i think that's where it'll be probably in five or ten years time James, thank you for taking the time to show me around. It's been absolutely fascinating. And thank you for sharing your story and the story of Jones Food Company with us on the farming programme. No, thanks for coming in and taking a look around. If you want to know a bit more about Jones Food Company, check out jonesfoodcompany.co.uk. Time for our weekly market reports now, starting with livestock. Good morning, Oliver Chapman from Louth Livestock Market. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for Monday the 7th of February. 
starting with the prime cattle which see prime steers top at £1,371 for JS Brooks of Strubby and 244 pence per kilo for John Scoli of Bormba, while the heifers topped at 235 pence per kilo for John Thirlby of Kexby and £1,399 for JS Brooks of Strubby. Onto the cool cows and another strong trade, seeing a top both in the pence per kilo and the pounds per head for CA Mottram and Sons across from Colby at 158 pence per kilo and £1,118.25. This week was Store Cattle Week and a super show from start to finish saw a tremendous trade for all goods forward. Store Steers topped for N Johnson of Stickney at £1,235, while the Heifers topped for Dan Foreman and FB Foreman and Sons of Theddlethorpe at £940 and Young Bulls topped at £725 for GE Tyson of Willingham by Stowe. On to the Prime Hogs, an SQQ slightly dearer of 268.22 pence per kilo. The top this week for AJ Colson and Sons of Osgoby at £131 per head, while a pence per kilo was topped by W Taylor & Co of Tetford at £309 per kilo. On to the cool ewes with an all-in average of £103.54. Top this week came for A&P Schofield of North Owersby at £136. Finally, just store hogs and a handful on offer. Slightly harder to place uh, as we get to the end of the year. A top this week for S Kilby of South Ormsby at £101 to leave an all-in average of £64.22. Prime cattle, cool cattle and both prime and cool sheep are required for tomorrow's market. Please do not hesitate to contact me at any time throughout the week. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. And to the grain markets, here's Openfields Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Good morning Steve. This week we had the latest USDA report which, to be frank, was another kicking the can down the road exercise. Whilst they did reduce soybean and maize crops in South America, they did not go far enough and the trade ignored it and prices on CBOT continued on their upward trajectory. They are obviously content to continue with their small steps approach until they have more data available, which should not come as a great shock. And their reports have been a case of what will the USDA say rather than what the reality might be. They did adopt the lower Canadian wheat stocks figure that StatsCan released this week, which was 2.3 million metric tonnes below even the lowest trade estimate, but left the Chinese maize imports at 26 million, despite the US trade attaché in China forecasting it was only 20 million. Indeed, trade estimates are already exceeding 20 million and an unconfirmed report circulating that China have bought a further 2 million metric tonnes in the recent days. They left Australian wheat production unchanged despite calls for a large increase, although this is likely to go straight into the stock due to logistical restrictions, and left the EU and Russian exports unchanged, which is probably 7 to 8 million metric tonnes too high. Weather in South America continues to be of great concern in Brazil, Argentina and Paraguay, the latter whose soybean crop has been cut by 50% in the latest forecasts. Brazil is too wet in the north, which is delaying soybean production and delaying the planting of the Safina maize crop, which in parts of central and southern Brazil remains hot and dry. And most of Argentina does as well, despite the red powder showers. The US plains wheat crop remains moisture deficit, whilst Europe is generally drier and warmer than usual. So far, it is fair to say conditions are not ideal. French wheat prices did come under pressure this week, particularly with China cozying up to Russia and Russia having made inroads into Algeria, which had previously been the bastion of the French wheat market. However, French wheat is now the cheapest wheat in the world. Algerian-French relations seem to be improving, and any Chinese business will not affect this crop year anyway. The UK wheat market is exhibiting signs of tightness, with some questioning the crop size and the suggestion that animal feed usage will be increased in next month's UK supply and demand report. 
the increased cash premiums over futures in large parts of the country would appear to lend credence to this. So looking at barley this week, demand for old crop malting barley has come to a halt. The arrival of three cargoes of Argentine and Australian barley into Europe has curtailed UK exports for the time being. Germany is in lockdown, so demand for beer has fallen there, also in Belgium and the Netherlands. The UK is ahead of the EU in lifting COVID-19 restrictions, so some rebound in demand for beer and malt should happen in the next two months. Meantime, farmers storing malting barley must really check their bulks carefully. We are seeing rejections for high moisture, causing many infestations of mites and beetles. So high premium malting barley contracts are being lost for the want of drying and conditioning. Barley planting has continued in the south and the east. The new crop malting barley market is hardly trading, whilst forward values are historically good. They are low when compared to even the much reduced old crop prices. The supply and demand for malting barley in Europe is still tight, so a big normal malting barley crop will be needed for 2022. That requires a near-perfect weather from now on, which we may or may not get. So getting the crop planted is a priority rather than selling it forward. Looking at all seed rate, much of this week hasn't seen much direction as the market waited for Wednesday's USDA report. Since then, the trade has been digesting the latest figures with prices, especially on old crop, drifting as buyers stayed out of the market. Some support did, however, come firmer overnight from the Chicago prices midweek, but wider pressure from a slightly firmer sterling. The USDA turned out to be bullish, but not bullish as private estimates and the market has seen through the reallocation of export demand. With beans reaching new highs, the South American crop was reduced by a further 8.7 million tonnes, and the US world carryout will also be reduced as a result. So looking forward to prices this week, feed wheat for February 208 to 215, May 218 to 227, November 190 to 198, Milling wheat prices are currently 40 to 45 pounds. Feed barley for February 205 to 210, May 210 to 215, November 170 to 177. Malting barley premiums are currently 50 to 55 pounds. Oil seed rate February 580 to 586, May 586 to 590, and November new crop 500 to 510. Many thanks to Kit Dickinson from Openfield and Oliver Chapman from Louth Livestock Market. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Low pressure brings wet and unsettled weather this week. Strong southerly winds and rain all day today. Highs of 10 Celsius. Couple of degrees cooler with lighter winds from the west for Monday. Again, rain for much of the day. The second half of the week brings gusty southwesterlies up to 55 miles per hour. Light rain and highs of 10 or 11 Celsius, but cooling off by Friday. Next week, I'm talking to the chief exec of the AHDB and looking at the detail of the recently announced lump sum exit scheme for farmers looking to retire. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a good week.